This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. Do you ever find yourself feeling a little bit frustrated that you've got lots of browsers but not many buyers? So this is something I hear a lot in my Facebook group and with the people who I work with that lots of people are looking at what they do but not many are putting their credit card in their hand and paying for the thing that the person makes or sells. So in this podcast episode, I'm talking to Nikki Hutchinson, who is a marketing expert, and we're talking all about how to turn browsers into buyers. Nikki's sharing loads of brilliant advice from building a community, having that personal touch, being yourself when you're marketing your business and speaking in your own voice, sharing the passion about what you do and how that can turn into sales and also about how to create content so people admire and relate to you and that can help move them through the buying process and help take them from browser into buyer. We also talk about self-belief and why it's really important that we believe in what we're selling if we want other people to make that step, hit the PayPal button or get their hands in the pockets and pull out the credit card. So I hope you found this podcast episode helpful. It was brilliant chatting to Nikki. She shares loads of fabulous advice and in the show notes for this episode, I've also linked to her podcast if you'd like to learn more from her. So thank you, Nikki, for joining me on the show and now on for the main part of the episode. Hi Nikki, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Hi Rachel, lovely to see you, thanks so much for having me. Oh no, it's great to have you here. So tell me a little bit about you and what you do first of all. So I'm a business and marketing expert. I work with entrepreneurial women to help them grow their online audiences. Fabulous. Okay. And then can you just tell me a little bit about your background as well and the kind of people that you work with? Yeah, of course. I love to work with creative business owners. I come from an ad agency background. I worked as a brand strategist for many years and then I set up my first business in January 2012 and then this marketing business in July 2017. So nearly five years ago. I can't believe it. And uh, yeah, I love to work with other creative-minded entrepreneurial women to really help them understand how to use marketing to get better results in their businesses. Brilliant. Okay. So by the time this podcast goes out, it will be your fifth birthday, I think. So happy birthday. And I hope you're doing something lovely to celebrate. So I know we met a good few years ago now because we were in a mastermind program together and and we've kept in touch and love seeing all of the work that you're doing. I know you've worked with a couple of dog businesses as well. We'll talk about that as we go on. But The topic that we've come to talk about today is something that, oh my gosh, honestly, I know people listening will be so into, and it's about how to turn browsers into buyers. So can you tell me, let's get started, why is it so important to turn browsers into buyers? Well, let's start with the definition of a browser. So Mm -hmm. I would define a browser in two different ways. So the first way is it's basically a person who is looking quite casually either through publications, through websites or at goods for sale, like you might browse in a physical or an online shop. So quite an innocuous 
um, definition there. But then if you look at it another way, a browser is also a person who will take up your time and attention without any return. So obviously, as business owners, we want to turn as many of our browsers as possible into buyers so that we can actually make some money. Yeah, I hear you absolutely with this because I know again we we know each other quite well, don't we? I am I just go from browser to buyer straight away. Like if I see something that I want, that's it. The PayPal button's been hit and I'm I'm in. Um, but tell me a little bit about browsers and why they can be challenging when we're running an online business and we've when we've also got so much noise going on and so many other things happening online. Why can browse? Why is it important to um, to I guess understand browsers um, and the challenges that they can present? So the the biggest challenge really is going back to that definition about sucking up a lot of your time because that obviously is the thing that none of us can get any more of, and particularly in the online space and just generally as busy business owners, if we spend all of our time kind of chasing these browsers and trying to convince them to buy, A, it's not much fun, and B, it sucks up all of our time when we could actually be doing perhaps something that we enjoy more in the business, and we could also be making our life easier by encouraging them to buy more quickly or more regularly. Okay, so can you talk me through um, how we go about doing that then? Yes, so... I think that the first thing to understand is actually your own motivations. When you're thinking about this sales transaction, have a think about why you're in it, because it can't be just to sell. If you're only in it for the money, then people will quickly see that. And if you don't love what you do, that will shine through as well. I'm sure that most of the people listening. I mean, who couldn't love running a pet business? I know it's not all going to be fluffy puppies and kittens all the time, but I'm sure that most of the people listening to this podcast really, really love what they do. And that's really important. And also, it's important to have a bigger mission. You know, it's important to not just be thinking head down, I'm in my business, I need to make money, I've got to get these sales in all the time. What is your bigger mission you know why are you doing this are you doing this are you giving a portion to charity maybe are you doing this because you just absolutely adore animals and you want them to be looked after or pampered as much as possible you know what is your bigger mission that people can really get on board with that you can then find like-minded people who are going to admire and relate to that mission and really want to be a part of your business so understanding your motivations is the first thing and then it's about understanding your potential customers motivations as well because Sadly, nobody, none of your customers are going to wake up thinking, I want to buy from Rachel today. None of my customers are going to wake up thinking, I want to buy from Nikki today, unless we've done certain things. So unless we've created that clear mission, unless we've created excitement, and unless we've created community, I think that nowadays people really want to be part of something, especially post-pandemic, when so much of what we do is online. 
um, once you've managed to create a community around your brand and what you're doing, then you switch from trying to sell to a cold target audience to selling to warmer more loyal fans so that makes your job much easier and more rewarding and as a bonus loyal fans can't help but spread the word as well yeah I love the stuff about the admire and relate um that you said there and the community as well um I know we've both got communities ourselves you've got a Facebook group I have as well and we've got podcasts so you have a community around that as well don't you so how would you suggest that people go about, people in the pet industry who, um, you know, who, as you've just said, do what they do out of a love for animals. They do have a mission. They do really care about the animals that they're looking after and supporting. How do you, um, how would you suggest they go about creating um, that situation where people do admire and relate to them? So actually, one of the first things I think you need to do is to work on your mindset. You really need to believe in what you're selling. And that's why getting things going when you're first starting up a business can feel so hard. Getting those first few sales, that traction, it's much harder than it is when you've been doing it for a while because it takes more self-belief. Once you've sold a few things or served a few customers, you've got some of those loyal fans. By that point, you've proven to yourself that what you're offering is good enough, that there is demand for it, and that you are the best person to be selling it. But no matter what stage of business you're at, your potential customers really need to believe in you and in what you're selling. So you need to believe in yourself. I think that we can all smell desperation a mile off, can't we? Yeah. So I think it's it's hard, but it's worthwhile really trying to relax, trying not to be too desperate for the sale and giving people that time to come around to your way of thinking, while also giving them everything that they need to prove to themselves that what you're offering is the thing that they want. So I liken it to how off-putting it is when a shop assistant follows you around the store, constantly asking whether there's anything you need. Or maybe if you've been in a bar, you're waiting for a friend to arrive and the waiter or waitress keeps coming over to you, checking if they can get you something before your friend arrives. It's annoying, isn't it? And it's, it's off-putting. So try to keep in mind that if somebody wants to buy, they'll come to you in their own time. But you can help them make that decision, not by pestering them, but by demonstrating that you have what they need. Okay, and have you got any examples of how you go about doing that, just on a practical point of view? Yes. So one of the key ways you can do this is through testimonials. Um, if you can persuade any of your buyers to go on video, then a video testimonial really does trump everything else. But if not, then a written testimonial is great, ideally with the person's full name. If they won't agree to that, I know that some customers prefer to stay private online and things, then if you can get a written testimonial just with maybe their first name or their initials, you can use great product photography if you sell products or great photographs of you if you're selling a service. Perhaps think about investing in professional video content, showing product demonstrations or you delivering your service. And it's really important to have 
obviously well-crafted, I know Rachel is a journalist, you'll agree with this, but well-crafted copy on any sales pages, social media captions and email content and a consistent look and feel. So these are all things that people can consume in their own time and at their own pace rather than you coming across as desperate trying to persuade them to buy at a time that suits you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so just thinking about some of the... Um, some of the questions that I had in my Facebook group actually when I said I was chatting to you and talked about the topic of the podcast um, I put out a shout out in my Facebook group to see what people would find helpful so one of the questions was um does the pain point come first do you think or what would you say you need to do first to turn a browser into a buyer does the pain point come first so let's say for example with let's say we've got so this was a lady called Doreen. She supports people who have got um, who've got rescue dogs from overseas. So quite often dogs will come over from Romania or other countries. They've lived a very different life over there. And then they come yeah. and live in the Lake District where she is. And they're like, oh, my gosh, how do I cope? So do you think it's a pain point? that I mean, I guess with, with somebody like that, it's like, oh, my gosh, how do I cope? Um, so she'll have those clients who think, I need somebody who can help me with my Romanian rescue dog. Mm-hmm. But she may also have other clients who know that she's there. They know that she's in the area. They know that's what she does. And they might be the browsers rather than the people with the immediate pain points. So what would your advice be there? For me, it always starts with trying to understand your audience. So what is the issue that they're having just now? Or what issues have you seen previous customers have and how can you position yourself in their minds so that maybe they don't have that pain point right now but maybe they're thinking you know maybe somebody's thinking of adopting a rescue dog from Romania and one of their big concerns is going to be how are they going to settle into the UK and so you're out there, you're putting out content, you're you're reassuring, um, you're demonstrating some of the methods that you use, maybe some of the techniques, maybe even like a, a day in the life of a rescue dog who's just arrived in the UK. And by doing all of that, it's very reassuring to a potential uh, browser. And it means that when the time comes that they do decide to take that leap, you're front of mind and you're going to be the person that they buy from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, definitely with the reassurance, particularly because, you know, the bond that we you've got a dog yourself, haven't you? The bond that we have is so, so strong and it is a real emotional connection that we have. Um, and I think reassurance that everything's going to be okay, whether they have a Romanian rescue dog or whether they're considering one, we want to know that everything's going to be okay and that the, you know, that help is out there, I guess. Another thing that I, you know, I would say with the dog trainers is sharing those success stories, those client stories um so people can see you know what you know what they could potentially have with their dog as well is really important isn't it a hundred percent and seeing where somebody was and where they are now having worked with you that's that transformation that we all want to see isn't it oh my gosh definitely yeah and some some great dog trainers who are in my community um who do this um another lady is claire lawrence she works with reactive dogs and she shares loads of brilliant video and um client stories showing the transformation for the for the dogs but also for the the pet parents as well because life with a reactive dog is you know it's it's stressful it's upsetting Mm. and you just want everything to be okay don't you so that's exactly what you want to see I mean we're we've got a brilliant um 
dog sitter, but she's so in demand. She's hardly got any availability. So we're kind of scrabbling around to see if we can get a holiday later in this year. And she doesn't have any availability. So I'm looking online for, I'm in Edinburgh, if anybody knows... (laughs) Any, anyone with availability that would be fab um, but I'm looking around at all these different dog sitters and it's it's really hard to gauge from their Facebook pages or their Instagram accounts what the experience for my dog's called Rosie so what the experience might be for Rosie going to one of these dog sitters now that's something that could be easily solved by creating content like you've just described, by showing, okay, this is where the dogs sleep. This is the size of our garden. Um, these are some of the rules that we have in our house, or we're completely relaxed. This is uh, this is the onboarding process. You know, all that stuff. I really want to know that so that I get reassurance. Otherwise, I'm not going on holiday. <laughs> oh my gosh, totally. I had um, I worked with a lady who, she is a cat groomer and cat behaviourist, and she's amazing at doing that kind of stuff. She's called Katie. And her page is the cat lady. And oh my gosh, her website is incredible. She's brilliant on social media. She does all of those things. Um, and I worked with another lady called Jenny. She was also a cat. So she ran a cattery, a boutique cat hotel. So it was really fancy. Wow. But she did exactly what you just said, like day in the life, uh, what's inside, you know, what happens when they come in. The reason why she started the business, she had all of that brilliant content on her website. So when somebody like you, obviously you're looking for a dog sitter, but equivalent you're coming along you're going to read all of this content and think oh my gosh I found the right person to look after my cat or dog and that's what we want to feel isn't it we want to think oh thank god I know they're going to be okay I can go away I can relax a hundred percent they're going to be happy yeah a hundred percent and as soon as I find that person I will go from browser to buyer (laughs) yeah straight away yeah Excellent. Okay. So yeah, re- I mean, it's really straightforward to do, isn't it? I mean, I've, do, I've done blogging courses in the past and I'm probably going to bring them back. Actually, I'm seeing quite a lot of interest and demand for it mm-hmm. because it is that simple. We need to have that content on our website and people can sometimes find it overwhelming, but actually they just need to write as they talk. If, and imagine they're the customer. Imagine they're you wanting to know that Rosie's going to be okay when you go on holiday. You just, you've said what people need to say, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. I could not agree more. I am so fed up. I don't know about you, but I am just sick to the back teeth of reading through what feels like the same sales page from a myriad of different businesses because they're all following this structure or this format. And you just think there's nothing personal here. There's nothing that's going to take me from browsing all these different people's sales pages to actually making the decision. Yes, you're the one who I want to buy from because you're following this format and I can see that you're doing it. So I think that point that you made, Rachel, about let write, you know, speaking as you write, letting your personality come through and trying not to get bogged down because I know that as a business owner, especially if you're kind of new to learning about marketing, it can be really easy to think, oh, they must know how to do it better. They must know how to do it better than me. But actually, the best thing that you can do is really lean into your own personality, your own mission, and how you can communicate that to the type of customers that you want. And that is powerful stuff. Yeah. No, it's really, really helpful um, advice. And it's also helpful advice for me as well. (laughs) I've done the whole, um, this is a sales page formula that you should follow. And actually, when I did my last launch, I just 
wrote up a sales page, put a little pay button on. It was really simple. Right. And it, it did, you know, people, it resonated. Um, so Brilliant. It's the proof is, um, you know, that's my proof, I guess, that sometimes just throwing the rule book out the window and just being honest. And we keep hearing about being authentic, don't we, actually? <laughs> it's more authentic to just go, well, look, this is what you need to know. Then go, oh, no, I need to do this, this, and this. Yeah, definitely. But also keeping in mind that with all marketing, you should really try and make it more about the person who you're trying to attract than about yourself. So yes, definitely lean into your own tone of voice and the things that you want to share with them, but also keeping half an eye or, or keeping your mind, I should say, on the fact that what you want to say might not quite be what they need to hear so try and put yourself in their shoes first of Mm -hmm. all and make sure that you're giving them that information that they need yeah yeah a lot about walking in their shoes definitely particularly with all the emotional um things that go on with our animals um you know we've we've got to imagine we are that you know that barking dog owner or that anxious cat owner or the cat owner whose cat came home you know, and had lost loads of weight from the cassery. That's just what Jenny, oh, the cassery no. lady, did. It's she, her business came about because um, she sent she went away for a long weekend, and her own cat went to a cassery and was really upset. Came back and it, it was covered in wee and lost loads of weight and was really oh. distressed. And she just was devastated, yeah, absolutely heartbroken. And she gave up her job as a primary school teacher and built this beautiful cassery in her in her garden. Oh, and then amazing. this amazing cat hotel was born. So. Which is such an amazing story, isn't it? But you that's know, a great story. And she, you know, she's also fully booked like your dog, your your dog sitter. But I will try and find <laughs> your dog sitter for Rosie, um, <laughs> and you. hopefully someone will get in touch with you as a result of listening. <laughs> I will put Nikki's contact details um, in the show notes as well. So we've talked about the service providers, and you've shared some really great advice there, which I think will really really hit home. Um, around the pain points and around understanding what what people are looking for and walking in your customer's shoes one of the things that comes up over and over again and when you said about turning browsers into bars I was like oh this is going to be so good I know that the product businesses are going to love this one of the things that comes up over and over again with the product people is that their product isn't um you know it's not essential it's a nice to have um and you know, it might be a dog slogan jumper, or it might be a lovely bow tie for your dog, or it might be a, a hoodie or a jumper for your dog or a collar for your cat. They don't need it because you've got five dog collars, or in my case, about 15, <laughs> or you've already got 10 dog slogan jumpers. But then I guess if you like the dog slogan jumpers, you're going to buy more dog slogan jumpers, aren't you? So how do you go about with how do you go about um, turning browsers into buyers when you've got a product business? So I'm often quite envious of product-based businesses, actually, because you've got beautiful things that you can show off, whereas with a service-based business, obviously, we don't have that. So I don't think it matters how many slogan jumpers or collars you've got already, because we all know that as pet owners, we are absolutely obsessed with our pets and buying things for our pets. And what we're looking for is an excuse. So how can you identify that tipping point where people will go from, oh, that's a nice doggy jumper, but I've already got 10 of them at home, to oh, that's a really nice doggy jumper. I know I've got 10 at home, but one more can't hurt. (laughs) 
And for me, that is all about lovely product photography, showing the, um, not so much the features, but showing the kind of the outcomes, you know, the, the, the benefits of buying. So I want to see other dogs, preferably dogs that look like mine, looking super cute in that jumper because that is going to push all my buttons and get me to push that buy button as well. So it's about setting the scene for people, you know, maybe less about fear. So, it, you know, it's not about, oh, your poor dog will be freezing without this jumper, but more about the joy that this jumper will bring. You know, imagine walking down the street, imagine the looks that you're going to get, imagine how many people are going to come up and tell you your dog is cute. You know, all that lovely stuff. Imagine how your dog is going to feel. <laughs> imagine how happy, if you've got a family, imagine how happy your kids are going to be when they see your dog wearing this jumper. All those kind of things are going to give me the excuse that I need to hit by on that jumper rather than just convincing myself that I don't need it yeah totally like that's that's me and there's a there's a lady who um a client of mine called Kim from Leo Charlie and me and she makes these lovely uh all kinds of different accessories but like leads collars bandanas and stuff and she's got this this one client Tammy who's actually over your way she's up in Scotland and she's got like so many different bandanas and bow ties for her Labrador and Alfie but like every time Kim puts something out there you know Tammy will buy it because she knows how lovely her stuff is and she, you know Alfie can never have too many bow ties or bandanas and that's that's what we have to think about we have to think about the the you know the me's and the you's and the tammies of this world and the people who just can't get enough of the stuff yeah absolutely and also this is where community comes in because there's a certain high street pet store where my daughter is always really keen to go and have a look around and she's always keen to buy something for Rosie in there but I have well we have a, a lovely local shop in our local community on the local high street where they have similar things they have a, probably a more interesting range of things they have some homemade things homemade treats and things like that yes it's a little bit more pricey but I would much rather support that business if I know that they've got what I'm looking for, then I would be to support, I'd be much more keen to support them than I would be to support a, a kind of faceless high street store. And so what can you do to build, <clears throat> excuse me, to build on that shop local trend that is, it's only been I was going to say exacerbated. That's not a very positive word, is it? It's exploded, hasn't it, yes. over, <laughs> over the pandemic. And so how could you build a community? Our local um, shop is called Harry's Treats. Their dog was called Harry. They've got different dogs now. And they are, it's a tiny little shop, but they are so good at building community around their shop. During the pandemic, we were having conversations back and forth about, you know, you could do um you could go and pick up treats at certain times and things like that uh, right in the height of the pandemic and we were having a conversation about how difficult it is uh because you can't get your dog groomed and you know not having the right scissors and, blah, blah, blah. and when I went to pick up the treats 
there was a little um, box for me as well with combs and scissors and all sorts of things that I needed to groom Rosie and just saying, oh, these are things that we don't need anymore. You're welcome to have them because I know it's difficult just now. What a brilliant way to build community. And I'm 100% going to choose them over anywhere else now because they've been so kind to me I want to support them as much as possible so what I'm not suggesting you should give free things away I just thought that was a really lovely gesture but what could you do to build community maybe it's a newsletter with a giveaway once a month or maybe it is um you know a competition if you have a if you have an online shop um what could you be doing to get that community going? Because I think that it's, it's really easy for us to sit here and say, yes, you need to build community around your business. But how do you actually do that? You need to get the conversation going, don't you? You need to, it needs to be a two-way street rather than you just broadcasting your marketing messages all the time. You need to try and draw people in and get them excited about your business as well. Yeah, totally. Like, I think we're really looking with social media, aren't we? I mean, we're both of a generation where we when we started work it wasn't there was it and I think we have got a lot of amazing tools on social media where we can do that um do you want to tell like I'm going to share an example actually and then if you just share me uh, let me know your thoughts on it like there's one lady who I interviewed Debbie um we talked about copying in the pet industry and it was a podcast um back in June um but I've got another episode with her because she's really established and she talks about the different things she's done to grow her business but one of the really big things is community so she has done a, built a community really well on Instagram and she's also got a Facebook group with I think it's around 2,000 members um, who all own whippets so she makes whippet clothes ah. um, so two really good examples there. she also does a lot on Pinterest as well she's got a lady who does mm-hmm. a Pinterest for her um, and she talks about that at length um, and there's loads of really good insights but but from your point of view working with lots of different small businesses on the marketing what do you what do you find works when it comes to that community building from newsletters to Instagram to Pinterest to Facebook groups? What what would you say? Um, what would you say works for your clients? That's a great question. And in general, it's the personal touch. So like Harry Streets did for me during the pandemic, that was absolutely personalized to me. And I'm not expecting anybody to have to replicate that every five minutes but what could you do that is really personal to your customers so for example my first business was a kids hip-hop dance company and we had the date of birth of all of the kids as part of the onboarding paperwork we had their birthdays so every year on their birthday we would send them a birthday card not expensive not difficult to implement but they really appreciated it and it. I think it really helped to foster longer term loyalty and also it helped our reputation as being part of that community because then quite often they would share the images on social media of their birthday cards and things. Um, A great way to grow your community as well is to host events. So that might not seem like an obvious choice if you have Uh, an online shop and it'll depend where you're obviously where your customers come from but you could host an online event as well but we have done work with influencers in the past where we I used to run classes or my team used to run classes and we hosted an event we were launching a new class for um parents and toddlers and I'm thinking this might this 
could work for um, dog training classes and things like that. And we, it was invite only and we invited lots of mummy influencers and bloggers along and they experienced the class and then they shared online afterwards and actually quite a few of them enjoyed it so much that they signed their own kids up to the class afterwards as well and that just well a it made a big noise because lots of people were talking about the launch of this class and we filled that um we filled that block straight away um but b people also felt part of something so they could see they could see we had video we had photographers um and we shared all of that content online afterwards so they could see what it was like to be a member of our community to be in our classes um so I think it's about getting creative as well you know that took a lot of effort that took time to organize we had to have the creative idea I had a team at that point so they were all you know there were a lot of people involved um it wasn't a quick thing to do but it had a big big result so I would say everybody now is obviously posting on social media you know there's a lot of content being churned out every day by a lot of small businesses there's a lot of noise out there could you take a step back and think what could I do that other people are not prepared to make the effort to do and that would really help me to stand out and I think that's where PR comes in as well isn't it Rachel yeah definitely yeah um one of the ladies who, who I work with, Kerry Jordan, she's a dog photographer and she runs, she has an awareness day, National Dog Photography Day, um, which is in July. I'm sure you'll be getting involved in it, July 26th. Love it. And I'll definitely never have too many dog photos. But yeah, she talked about that actually. We did, she did a guest expert in my membership for me. And she talked about creating an event, a real life thing, especially mm-hmm. at the moment. People love, oh my gosh, I went to see somebody uh, yesterday. I've got another meeting today and it's like, oh, so excited! <laughs> so if you can actually get something where you can go and get in front of people and talk to them in real life, um, yeah, grab it, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I do think that that appetite for events has skyrocketed just probably in the last month or two. I think at the beginning of this year, and we're recording this in June 2022, at the beginning of this year, had to remember the date there, um, there was still a lot of apprehension. Obviously, Omicron was around um, and people felt nervous about going out. Um, I wasn't keen to put on an, an event at that time. But now I think that has changed. And as you say, people are really, really keen to get back out into the community and make those real connections. And I'm sure that the business owners listening you're probably really keen to see your customers. Like Rachel, you were saying you you had such a great time with one of your clients yesterday and it's different, isn't it? It is different seeing people in the flesh and it does strengthen those relationships and that feeling of community, doesn't it? Oh my gosh, definitely. So for if you had like an online business, so some people have, they do go to real life events, they have stores at Dogfest, that kind of thing. But if you had a purely online business, you weren't able to go, go to events, you don't have a shop, is there anything that you can do that's a little bit different um, to to build that community and to, to, yeah, make people feel special and get them excited? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's always a great idea to think about who you could potentially collaborate with. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing a podcast together right now. I count that as a collaboration. If you have an online business, who 
would are there any podcasts that are relevant to your business and you could collaborate with those people or maybe you want to get more eyes on your business and there are some business friends who you've got who sell to a similar audience. So they're not your competition, but they are offering similar things, uh, sorry, different things to similar people. Could you collaborate with them and host an online event together? You could do um, you could do a live sales event on Facebook, for example, or you could collaborate on Instagram. Everybody loves an Instagram competition, don't they? Who could you collaborate with who have got an audience made up of similar people to yours and you could run a competition that way you're minimizing the risk of just attracting lots of kind of freebie hunters I think as long as you collaborate with businesses that have a similar audience then their customers are likely to be interested in what you have and not just along for that freebie but competitions are are a good way to raise awareness could you create a package of products or services, depending what type of business you have, and offer it to a key segment of your customers, maybe for a limited time. And could you do some networking? I know that people have mixed feelings about networking, but I really believe in it. I don't know how you feel about networking, Rachel. Yeah, I believe in it as well. Like, yeah, I just love the real life thing as well. Yeah, so I think if you, it depends what your objective is, doesn't it? So for a long time, I hosted networking events in Edinburgh, and that was brilliant for getting to know my local community. But I was also joining communities online because I really wanted to expand my reach across the rest of the UK. And So I would get really clear about what your objectives are. You know, are you looking to attract customers from your local audience? If so, then in-person could be great. Or are you looking to attract buyers from further afield? If so, then joining online communities. I always say be a joiner. And that's how we met, isn't it? I just love to identify relevant communities where I'm going to meet not just potential buyers and clients but also potential business friends and collaborators I run an agency as part of my business so it's really important for me to make sure that I'm out there meeting all the right type of people freelancers who can help deliver the projects that I work on as well so you can identify collaborators, you can identify buyers, and hopefully you can identify friends. And just really working on broadening your own network means that you will be recommended more often. Yeah. And that's what we want, isn't it? And that's what, you know, PR is all about. It's about personal recommendation. People, when somebody says, I need a dog sitter in Edinburgh, I want to say, you need to go talk to Tommy or Suzanne or whoever yeah. I would recommend. And I need yeah. to just go and double check a few people on your dog sitter um, in Edinburgh quandary. Oh, um, thank you. <laughs> okay, so any final thoughts for people who are listening to this and thinking, I can't do this. I'm really frustrated. I've got all these browsers. I want them to be buyers and I'm exhausted. Yeah, I think my final thought would be remember not to expect people to come to you 
it's like that old expression, isn't it? Build it and they will come. They won't, unfortunately. We know this. <laughs> um, so don't be scared to reach out to people. If you, all of the things that we discussed at the start of the episode, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in your products and your services, and you know that there are people hovering around in your audience who need what you've got, the best thing you can do is reach out and start conversations. Obviously not jumping straight into a sales conversation, like buy my thing, but starting those conversations and demonstrating your understanding. So if you've seen somebody who's following you on Instagram, let's say, and you sell dog products and they have a dog, start a conversation about their dog. We know that as pet owners, we all love an excuse to talk about our pets. So start those conversations without any expectations, really, just with the hope that you can have a nice conversation with somebody. And you can do that just via a DM, via a voice note. And then depending where you are in that sales conversation, you might want to drop somebody a, a personalized video at some point as well. It depends very much what you're selling um, and to whom. And I definitely wouldn't start off with a video. It's a bit full on. Um, but once you've got to know somebody and, and you know if they've made an inquiry, then uh, there are various different ways that you can keep these conversations going. And I think that's what's really key is the difference between somebody who's browsing and somebody who's eventually going to buy is how can you help them along that journey? And having conversations is one of the best ways. Mm, definitely. I did a course recently about being bold and it is that, it's like the bridge, isn't it? You know that person's browsing, you know they probably want your thing, but you need a little bridge to take. And you're there, you're at the other side of the bridge and you might feel shy and you might feel pushy and it might be a bit cringe, but what's the worst that can happen? And like you say, if you start just by talking about their dog or their cat or their tortoise, then what's the harm in that? Yeah, and, and not having high expectations when you start, just being open mm -hmm. to building a relationship. Yeah, excellent. Okay, well, that's a fabulous point to end on. It's all about relationships, all about community. Nikki, thank you so much for coming and talking to me about this topic because I know it will be something lots of people will want to hear more about. So tell us about you, what you do, where people can find you. Yeah, I would love to hear from anybody who's listening and maybe wants to chat about this in any more detail. The best place to find me is on Instagram. I'm at Nikki Hutchison. I would also love to welcome you to my podcast, which is called the Audience Growth Podcast, where I cover all of what we've discussed today and more in terms of how to help you get more customers and grow your audience around your business. So thank you so much for having me, Rachel. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure, Nikki. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk. Thank you.